0: This is Way Family Church, and you're listening to our sermon podcast. We invite you to join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030. We meet at Lawford Middle School in Tucson, Arizona. For more information about who we are, upcoming events, or if you'd like to connect, visit us online at www.wayfamily.church. Now get your Bibles ready, and let's begin. Let's pray together. Father... God, when I think of your son and what he accomplished on this earth, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, although parts of that don't look beautiful, what you accomplished through him on this earth is most beautiful. We pray today, Lord, that you reveal to us through your word, your son, Jesus Christ, truth. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. You can be seated. I'm excited to be here. You excited to be here? You don't sound very excited. Some of you, some of you were here last week, and you heard me, and you're like, oh, I'm not so excited. And so, <laughs> Hey, I, if you are new here, and I heard that there were a few um, new faces here, if you are new here, I am not the pastor. That could be good, or it could be, no, it's, it's, very, it's very good, okay? So don't get worried. Don't get freaked out. If something today you hear, you go, whoa, that dude, I'm not going to be back next week, Okay. I was here last week, I'm here this week, so I'm going to throw down and hit you in the throat this week, and then next week you'll have somebody different. Cool? No, see, last week was on reverence, so I wanted to make sure to say something irreverent right at the front about hitting in the throat, okay? So no, no, seriously, I'm excited to be here. And one of the things, I, um, your pastor texted me last week, and he said, how'd it go? And I said, man, there is life in this church. I love the way you guys, and I, and I told, I told you this last week, I love the way you gather together, and you greet each other, and you love each other, and you check on each other. I love that. This is way family, right? I love it, man. So um, I'm, I'm privileged to be here, and I'm excited for today to talk about your second value. Last week's value we talked about was reverence, right? Today's value is truth. And I want to tell you a little story about something I, I was involved with several years ago, and it's kind of as a start for this. And Several years since today is Super Bowl Sunday, right? You didn't even think that was going to get mentioned this morning, did you? Listen, it's the Lord's Day, right? It's the Lord's Day. There may be a game, but in, in eternity, it's just a game, right? Today is the Lord's Day. So I, I want to tell you this story. A few a few years back when we first started Common Ground Church, um, it was maybe the first, second year of Common Ground. I'm like a 38, 39-year-old young guy, and I don't... I don't, um, anyways, <laughs> there's, there's, um, Common Ground is a church that, that we were involved in starting several years ago. It's actually your sending church, Common Ground. And, um, one of the things that was, that was really cool is early on our sending church was Green Valley Baptist Church. And this is the, this longtime church in Green Valley, Arizona, where it's, you know, if you don't know, there's a lot of senior adults there, right? And, um, most of the churches in that area are pastored by wise, mature men, right? And then there's this 38-year-old guy who's come in in Cerrito right down the road, right? And so the pastor of Green Valley Baptist Church, every year in the in the Green Valley News they would do an article, an interview with pastors in the area. And normally he is one of the guys, right? Is is the his name was John Elder and he he's he's in his 80s now, but John Elder was one of the guys that they would they would have you know speak, you know in this interview. And then there was a guy from Good Shepherd... I'm not going to... Wait, I shouldn't say churches. Sorry. There, was, there were three other men who were from different churches, different denominations, that are Christian denominations, and fine. And, and we had we were all sitting down, and they were much older than me, much wires, wiser than me, much more mature than me. And so I was feeling very intimidated. We walked in, and we're talking, and, and they're interviewing us about stuff. And then, and, then the, and then the resurrection comes up. It's for Easter, right? <clears throat> And the lady who's doing the interview says, what do you all believe about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I'm thinking, this is a home run. We're about to throw down in the paper, right? And the paper's going to get to share the the good news of Jesus, the gospel, right? And then one of the guys, one of the four guys, not the oldest, but one of the four guys, not the wisest either, (laughs) he says, well, At our church, we don't necessarily believe in a resurrection. We believe in a resuscitation. But it doesn't change the words of Jesus. And I kind of (laughs) went, Is lightning about to strike? I mean, I'm thinking this, right? I'm I'm going, oh my goodness, this is not good. So I'm waiting for one of the other two guys, because I'm the young guy, right? I don't want to be a punk, right? I'm the young guy. As a matter of fact, earlier in the interview, when (laughs) When they said, um, tell us about Easter, I said, it's, it's kind of like our Super Bowl. <laughs> I was a young kid, man. I'm sorry. I'm so, I mean, that's, this is who I am, and this is these more mature guys, and, and I'm waiting for one of the other two guys to step up and say, bro, that is wrong. That is not what we believe about the resurrection. Nothing. Both the other guys, too, they talk, they, they kind of talk around it, and I'm going oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I'm getting more and more uncomfortable. I said, I think I'm going to have to say something. And so they get to me, hey Ben, what do you believe about the resurrection? I said, I believe that the resurrection is foundational to everything there is about Christianity. If there is no resurrection, it doesn't matter. There's nothing else that matters. It's of first importance. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, it says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sin in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried and that he was what? Raised, not resuscitated. They didn't like go give him CPR and he'd come out of the tomb. That's ridiculous, right? That's not the truth. That's a lie. He was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day in accordance with the What? The scripture. Here's the thing, man. This, this book right here is truth. This is where we find truth. Anything that's in here is true. Anything that's, that, that we say about this that's not in here is a lie. So when we talk about truth, we need to refer to scripture. But there's something else we need to refer to. Because in John chapter 1... Verse 1, John, best friend, one of the best friends of Jesus, right? What does he say? He said, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He's talking about Jesus. You know, in um, John 14, 6, Jesus said, This is when Thomas, you know, Thomas is talking to him. They they they've been arguing this stuff, and stuff, and Thomas said, um, how do we know where we're where we're going? And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Without a resurrection, this doesn't matter. Right? John 8, 8, 31, 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word and are truly my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. The word of God will set you free. Here's the thing. When we think of this this book, it starts in Genesis 1. Guess what Genesis 1 is all about? Jesus. You say, what? Listen, Genesis 1 is all about Jesus. Revelation is all about Jesus. Everything in between is all about Jesus. Jesus is the central figure of this book. He is the truth. We need to to see Jesus in every, every passage, every page of the scripture. We see Jesus. It's the meta-narrative of the scripture. It's the grand story of the scripture is Jesus. From the beginning to the end, in the middle, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the truth. So today, when they asked me to talk about truth, I'm like, man, you'd think that's a pretty focused thing, right? But the truth is so huge because it involves everything of Jesus. It involves what Jesus accomplished on the, in his birth, on this earth, in his death, in his resurrection, it, it, it involves what, what was accomplished, what happened before, what happened afterwards, the sin of man, the fall of man, Jesus being re- redeeming the world, all of that, and then Jesus is coming again. It's all about the truth. So where do we go? What I want to do is I want to take a look at Jesus' life and take a look at a couple stories. By the way, I love stories in scripture. I think I said this last week. I can't wait till I get to heaven and get to go to the rewind room. You know there's a rewind room. I mean, there's going to be a rewind room where you get to go in there and you rewind and you get to watch what happened. Maybe not, but I sure hope there is. You know what I mean? Because I would love to see these few stories. And what I want to do is I want to look at how Jesus dealt with lies. And what Jesus did and how he dealt with lies. Because because maybe we can learn from that. How to deal with it? Because I think that some of us have a default. When we hear a lie, we do one of two things. We ignore it, and we walk right by. Or two, we confront it, and we go, that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie. That's not necessarily what Jesus did. So I'm going to take three stories in Scripture. Is that cool with you? Can we look at three stories? I like to read right out of the word, because the word is truth. So go with me. To John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 4 through 18. This is a, 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 one of my favorite stories in scripture. All three of these are, but this may be my number one. The woman at the well. You know this story, right? If you don't, read John chapter 4. Um, and here's what it says. He had, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sicker, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Joseph's well, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat Wearily beside the well, about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "Now we need to stop right there. By the way, I'm gonna stop several times in these scriptures today, if if that's cool. We need to stop right there because Jesus is chilling out at the at the well, and the Samaritan woman comes at date at noontime. There's three things have already been: a Samaritan, a woman, and it's noon." Those of you that know this story know that the Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. I mean, you talk about racism. Jews thought of Samaritans as half-breeds. It was bad. They, they didn't like each other. They hated each other. And so a Samaritan woman comes up, and Jesus talks to her. Plus, she's a woman. Normally, a man would not talk to a woman and, and engage in conversation right away in this culture. And it's noontime in the hottest part of the day. And she's coming to the well because they would have to walk outside of the city to the well, gather their water, and then walk back in the city for the day. Generally, they would do that in the evening when it's cooler or early in the morning, not usually at noontime. Why do you think she did it at noontime? She didn't want to encounter anybody. And so Jesus sees a Samaritan woman that's coming to draw water, and he says to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. This is a big deal. He asked the Samaritan woman at noon for a drink. Obviously, the woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Here it is. This is how Jesus, Jesus knows who she is. We find out later that he knows exactly who she is. He knows exactly who she is. He knows the lie she's believing. And this is what he says to her. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift of God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this will is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this, this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoys? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Now, what has happened up till now? Has Jesus said anything about, hey, I know you. I know your lies. I know that you don't believe the truth. I know you're a... He doesn't do any of that, does he? He says, here, I'm offering you something different. I'm offering you something better. And she says, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And then, and only then, does Jesus say, go get your husband. And I, and I bet he didn't say it the way I just did. <laughs> he probably said, go get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have five husbands. You've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to a man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So Jesus offers this woman a better way. He offers her. She, she has this lie in her head that she thinks that I, I need to find my Identity, as you said, my identity, my truth in a relationship. I, I have to have a relationship because alone I'm nothing. And that she's got this belief in her. And today there are many people around us. I mean, just watch the news. And we hear all this stuff about gender. We hear all this stuff. It's all about relationship. I'm looking for something that I don't have, and I'm looking for it in a lie. Jesus doesn't say you're you're believing a lie you are and pounding over the head with it he says let me give you something better and then when she says can i have that he confronts her you know i remember when i was a kid there was a and and there's nothing wrong with this it's just i remember when i was a kid in vbs you guys ever go to vbs you know vbs vacation bible school not everybody does that anymore that's okay um but it we had this thing that we learned it called admit believe confess right and so what we always talked about, and, and, and this is, there's nothing wrong with this, but this is, I think sometimes we go to our default as Christians here, admit that you're a sinner, believe that Christ is God's son, and, right, admit, believe, confess, and then confess your sin, right? So that's implying that the first thing that we need to do is point out people's sin. And Jesus, in all three of these instances right here, he never points out their sin at first. He offers them something better. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't point out her sin. He does, but first he says, I know something better. I have something better. It's the truth. Let me tell you, let me share with you the truth. And what? The truth will set you free. Isn't that interesting? Let me tell you the truth and the truth will set you free. And then he says, he calls out her lie. He calls out the lie she's believing. After she says what? Give me that water. So let's go into another another scripture. This, this is found in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. Another great story. Remember when those of you that grew up in the church, anybody grew up in the church? I grew up in the church. A lot of people at our church didn't grow up in the church. So when I tell this story, they look at me like, what are you talking about? There was this song that we sang in Sunday school, Vacation Bible School, that went, Zacchaeus was a... We, you guys went to church. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. Remember that, remember that song? What does it mean to be a wee little man? He was short. He was a wee little man, right? So this is a, this is a story. This is a beautiful, another beautiful story of, of Jesus when he finds somebody who's believing a lie. Look at this. Look at what happens here. To the woman at the well, he offers new water. Her way led to shame. Jesus' way was better, a full, abundant life with the whole community around her, right? Because remember what she did? She went back to the city and said, let me tell you about a dude that told me everything about myself. And the whole town was changed because of this one broken woman's story. A woman who believed in lies, she was confronted with the truth, she met Jesus, and she went back and told everybody about it. Now Zacchaeus Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Verse 1, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He, had, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see. He was a wee little man to see over the crowd. That's what that means right there. He was a wee little man, right? He was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree because the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Okay, I used to live in Las Vegas. And um, the, I, I understand this because what happens in, in a group of people is, like if you go to the Bellagio, anybody in the Bellagio Fountains in Las Vegas? And, and you go at a certain time of year, there's so many people there. And I'm a little taller than most people. And so I can stand there and I can, my wife is down here, my grandson is down here, my son is down here, everybody's down below me, and they can stand in front of me and I can still see. However... There are times when you, when you walk up and, and, and you're in a, in a big group of people and someone that's shorter tries to get in front and what happens? No, 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 it's my spot, right? It's my spot. That's what's going on here. Plus, these people didn't like this man. He was a tax collector, which means he had been stealing money for them. His job was to co- collect money for Rome, but he could collect money on top of that and put it in his pocket. And so this is who this guy was. When Jesus came by, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Quick, come down. Zacchaeus is in the back of the crowd because he can't see he's up in some tree. I mean, I guess you would notice that. A wee little man in a tree, right? I guess, I mean, how do you miss that, right? So he notices him and he says, Zacchaeus. How does he know his name, by the way? Jesus knows, doesn't he? He knows who he is because Jesus is the truth, Right? So Jesus says, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Can you imagine what the others thought about that? The people in the front of the line? Wait, 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 wait. I'm in the front of the line. You can come to my house. But Jesus chose the guy in the back in the tree, the wee little man in the tree, who was a tax collector because he knew that this guy was believing a lie. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the the people were displeased. He has gone to be in the house of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and I have if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to your house, to this home today, for the Son of Man has shown himself to, to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Now, again, you see, when he sees Zacchaeus and he confronts Zacchaeus, he doesn't say, Zacchaeus, lousy tax collector that you are, enemy of all these people, come down, we need to have a talk. You're believing a lie. Zacchaeus put his trust and hope in money, in the government, and that's what he believed in that's where he found his worth that's what he thought was going to get him to the next level was the was money and government there's nobody like that today right and yet oftentimes when we when we see somebody like that ooh I, should i say this and they put something on social media how do we respond what's our default is it to show them a better way to show them love or is it to attack them? Jesus' default is so much different than ours. We either ignore it, or we shun them, or we attack them. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And you notice everybody else was mad. Jesus offered Zacchaeus a better way. And what happens is Zacchaeus's life has changed, and he says, when you have an encounter with Jesus, when you have an encounter with the truth, it will set you free. And Zacchaeus is set free, and he says, I'm going to give all my money back. I'm going to give all the money back to these people and more. To Zacchaeus, he offers friendship. Zach's way led to isolation and hate. Jesus' way was a better, full, abundant life and restored community. Our default in these times are anger, resentment, ridicule. One more story? We got time? Then we're going to get to the, the rest of it, the good stuff. One more story? Okay. John 8, 1 through 11. John 8, 1 through 11. They were trying. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he walked back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the religious leaders of the law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. She believes in the lie of pleasure. Anybody else seen people like that before? Nobody in this room's ever struggled with that. You know what I mean? She's been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. By the way, where's the dude? You ever think about that? She was caught in the act. Where's the dude? Talk about a messed up culture, right? We don't have a messed up culture, do we? They believed. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, and that means to throw rocks at her. doesn't mean anything anymore, okay? doesn't mean what we mean by stone her. It means you throw rocks at her till she dies. They were going to kill her. The law says we can stone her. We can kill her. What do you say? Here's Jesus. They were trying to trap him into saying something that he could, they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down. This is good stuff right here. Pay attention. This is important because lots of us do what these guys are doing on Facebook or MySpace or whatever. Those are old ones, right? <laughs> I just threw out Facebook and MySpace. How about X? How about that? Or Instagram? I don't have any of them. I do have, I do have Facebook, but I don't even hardly look at it anymore. I don't even... I do have Instagram. I do have Twitter, but I don't even look at those either, unless I'm looking at a basketball poll, you know what I mean, like to see where Arizona's at. Anybody else do that? Okay, good, good. Okay, that's what Twitter's for, to look at a basketball poll. Anyways, what was I saying? (laughs) This is what he does right here, man. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. Have you ever tried to trap someone in what they say? Woo! But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, check this out. If there's a rewind room, this is number one. I want to see this one. I want to see this one. These guys have brought this woman caught in adultery, and it's these, these you know, wise, older, religious men, right? And they bring to him, they're trying to trick him, they say, she was caught in the act of adultery. The, the law says we can stone her, we can kill her. What do you say? Jesus goes, ah, I get you. I see what you're trying to do. And he kneels down in the dirt, and he begins, it doesn't tell us what he's writing, but he says he begins to just scribble some stuff in the dirt. I wonder what he was writing. You think maybe he might have been writing some of their sins? Some of what they were struggling with? Some of the lies they believed? They kept demanding an answer. So he, stooped, he, st- he stood back up. He wrote, finger, 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 finger. He, stood, he stood, stands back up, and they said, we, 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 we need an answer. They're probably a little bit like, uh, we need an answer, Jesus. All right, he said, but let the one, and so he stoops down. Uh, They're an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. He said, Okay. You want to kill her? Kill her. Wait, before you do that, though. And he begins to write again. Man. He, but before that, he says, those of you who have sinned, um, who, who haven't sinned, cast the first stone. This is why I think he was writing what they what their sins were, what their lies they believed, what they were doing. Because one by one it says they slipped away, beginning with the oldest until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Now, I want you to see what happened here. When Jesus was, was confronting her lie, she was the one that was caught in adultery. These were religious men. These were people who were, who were religious men, pious men, that were bringing her in front of him, and she had committed adultery. According to the law, she did deserve to be stoned. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't accuse her. He accuses them. Isn't that interesting? There's another place in Scripture where he calls religious, religious people a brood of vipers, a group of snakes. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. This is so beautiful. Beginning with the oldest and until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd. And here's what he says to her. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are you accusers? Didn't even one of them acu- condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And he offers her something better. He says, I'm not going to accuse you either. Go and sin no more. Isn't that beautiful? It's so easy for us to point fingers, to gossip, to pass judgment on people who are believing lies. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus says, you know what? I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. Jesus offers a better way. The adulterous woman, Jesus offers forgiveness. Her way, her way led to public ridicule and death. Jesus' way was a better way, an abundant life free from her sin. Gossip, finger pointing, and judgment. These are our defaults. Jesus' default is always love. Truth. A better way. So I wanna, I wanna um Look at a couple real quick little, little scriptures that I think that will help us remember this. Proverbs 14, 2. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death, right? Does it say that that way is truth? No, the, the Bible says there's a way that seems right, seems like it's true, but in the end it leads to death, it leads to um, condemnation, it leads to all these things. That's, that's the way we live, right? We, we believe a thing and then we find out, oh, That's not true. That doesn't lead in a good direction. It's called sin. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Jesus said, my favorite verse in the whole Bible is John 10.10. Anybody know John 10.10? It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's talking about the enemy. The enemy is the father of lies. By the way, the enemy is Satan, the devil, Lucifer, fallen angel. He's real. And he is the father of lies. That's his primary title. The father of lies. How'd you like to be called that? But here's the thing. I think sometimes we do such a a really good job in our world of kind of playing down the devil, playing down Lucifer, playing down his enemy. He is the enemy. And the Bible says he's out to steal, to kill, and destroy. Those aren't Small words. He's not little, some red, little red costume dude on Halloween. He is the enemy. And he wants to destroy you. And he's going to destroy you with lies. The way we combat lies is with the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. What's the rest of that verse? But I've come, Jesus says, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's why I keep saying that that Jesus offered this this woman at the well an abundant life. He offered Zacchaeus an abundant life. He offered this this woman caught in adultery an abundant life. And the way they received this abundant life was through Jesus, the truth, the centrality of scripture, the word, The way, the truth, the life is Jesus. Jesus. Jesus' default was love. Our default, judgment, ignore, shun, isolate. We need to be about offering people a better way. If we have the truth and it's going to set people free, why would we argue with them? Why would we shun them? Why would he point our fingers at them? Let's help them become free. Let's tell them about Jesus. And then Jesus can, when they in, encounter Jesus, he's the one that changes their life. He's the one that sets them free. Our job is simple. Point people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus. Point people to the truth. Point people to the truth. Listen, the reason truth is one of your values is because that's what we're to be about. Is to be be obedient to the truth and to point people to the truth. You know, the last thing Jesus said when he was here on this earth. You ready for this? The last thing he said. He said, hey, everybody. I've, I've, I've died. I'm a, I've risen from the dead. I got one more thing to say, and then I'm going to ascend into heaven. That's not what he said, but, you know, that's basically what's going on, right? He's, he's died. He's rose from the dead. He's with his disciples one more time, and he looks at them, and he says, be excellent to one another. Is that what he says? Be nice to each other. Is that what he says? He he says, go make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them to observe the truth, right? And then what does he do? He ascends into heaven. He's gone. The last thing he says to them is, you all are plan A. Go tell people about me. Go tell people how you've encountered me. Go tell people the truth. You're plan A, and there is no plan B. We're plan A. The church is plan A, and there's no plan B. We need to be about the truth in everything we do, and not hitting people over the head with truth, but telling people, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. It's beautiful. I love that song. It's beautiful. I mean, when we think of the cross, it's beautiful. You talk about ugly, bloody, nasty. Have you ever seen, um, what's the name of that movie? Passion of the Christ. That's not pretty. And that probably was nothing compared to what it really was like. But it's beautiful because of what Jesus accomplished on this earth. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So today, if you're here and you've realized sitting here today, that you're believing a lie? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the things you've said. It doesn't even matter the lie you've believed. All that matters is Jesus can set you free. You put your faith and trust and hope in him. You encounter him and he will change your life. And you will have an abundant life. That doesn't necessarily mean things will be rosy here, perfect on earth. Anybody have a rosy, perfect life? No. But there's a day coming when he's going to return again in the book. So it must be true. And there's a day coming when we pass from this life to the next as, as followers of Jesus, as, as children of the King, we will sit with Jesus in heaven and celebrate for eternity who Jesus is. And death has no sting because truth will set you free. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this, your son Jesus, the truth the way, the truth, the life. He's the resurrection. He's the centrality of Scripture. He's our hope. What he accomplished in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, can reconcile us to you. This is the truth. Yet it's so easy for some of us and for the world, for all of us actually, to believe a lie. And until we're confronted with that lie, and we realize that we're believing a lie, and, and this way that seems right to us only leads to death, only then when we put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, the truth, can we be reconciled to you. So I pray today, Lord, that you would, you would draw those to you today who need to, to meet you and they would have an encounter with you, that you would point to them like Zacchaeus and say, hey, I want you. That you would point to them like you did the woman at the well and said, I have something better. That you would point to them like you did the, the um, adulterous woman and you would say, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to set you free. I know there's people in this room right now, Lord, that need to be set free. God, I pray that they will believe the truth And you will set them free. And for the rest of us, God, may we be about telling your truth. We are plan A. We're the church. You've entrusted this truth to us. It's our job to tell people so that you can can engage them and, and, and they will encounter you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Use us this week to speak the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.